11 minutes after 8 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Time to talk a little health news. And this morning we are taking a look at foods that can cause inflammation. And Dr. Alana Polo is a naturopathic physician with the Polo Health Longevity Center. And she joins us once again on the line. Dr. Polo, thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Uh, talk about foods that cause inflammation, because I imagine people are in many cases eating these foods and not knowing that they are, in fact, uh, having that effect. Exactly. A lot of people don't correlate the fact or the effect that diet has on a lot of their current conditions. So most chronic conditions like cancer, arthritis, diabetes, obesity, they're all linked to a level of inflammation. And if we're able to take inflammatory foods out of our diets and eat an anti-inflammatory diet, we can affect a lot of those health conditions without any medication. And how does someone know if what they're eating is a food that causes inflammation? So there are lists of foods that are generally known to be inflammatory, which we'll go through. So avoiding those foods as a whole uh, for a period of time, I usually say about three to six weeks, taking those foods out, seeing how you feel and then challenging it by bringing those foods back in one at a time and paying attention to your symptoms. And so what would be on the list? So we all know processed, packaged, prepared foods, like I call those the three Ps. Those are highly inflammatory. So the standard North American diet of burgers and fries and processed foods, fast food, those are the most inflammatory. And then we move into things that might surprise you, certain fruits and vegetables. So in the world of vegetables, there's a family called nightshades, which is tomatoes, um, peppers, potatoes, and eggplant. Those are the most inflammatory vegetables, which most people are eating. Well, and eating, and if you're having a salad or something, you're probably thinking that you're eating healthy. Exactly, and so that's a really good point. A lot of people think that healthy um, you know, is the way to go, and it, it certainly is. But if you are predisposed to inflammation or you have inflammatory concerns, then healthy might not be so healthy in your case. So avoiding the nightshade vegetables in the world of fruit, for some people, oranges, grapefruits, strawberries, those can be highly inflammatory. And again, those, those are healthy. And that's a tough one because we hear about strawberries being the superfood that's, uh, that's uh, an antitoxin that, that we should be eating. Definitely. Um, but also strawberries are one of the most allergenic foods. So you look at peanuts, you look at corn, you look at eggs. Um, those are all very allergenic foods to people. Strawberries are on that list. And all of those four foods that I just mentioned are also inflammatory. So it's a fine line between, you know, whether or not you have current concerns. Like generally the itises, anything that ends in itis means inflammation. So arthritis, bursitis, colitis, anything that affects your joints, your gut that ends in itis is is an inflammation in the body, and we need to go to an anti-inflammatory diet to start the healing process. How long would you suggest if somebody is going to try this and stop eating those foods and then start bringing them back to see which ones they react to, how long do you have to stop eating them? I would say a good three to six months, uh, sorry, three to six weeks to see a, a hint of improvement. And most people do start to feel better within two weeks, and it's, it's easy for them to continue because they become symptom-free pretty quickly. Uh, what about alcohol? People talk about wine and the health benefits of wine, but can it also cause problems with inflammation? Absolutely. So wine, of course, the resveratrol in the red wine is very good for you. But again, alcohol is inflammatory. So it's a really fine line. Having a small amount, you know, once a week is not a big deal. But when you're getting into larger quantities, then it can certainly be, be inflammatory. Same with coffee. 
one cup of coffee is not not bad, but the caffeine can certainly aggravate any inflammatory processes in the body. So uh, staying away from coffee, staying away from alcohol, sugary drinks, juices, those can all contribute. Uh, So then if somebody does start uh, introducing the foods back, and and say if we use strawberries uh, as an example, and they realize when they start eating strawberries again, that's when they start not feeling so well, what should they be looking for? Just general not feeling well, and then you know that maybe you should avoid that particular food? Yeah, I guess it depends what the person is suffering from. So migraines are a huge thing that I see in practice. When people have migraines, we'll take them off the food, and then the second they start eating the food, those migraines start to come back. Or joint pain, also very common in practice. I see people with body pains, aches. So taking away the foods, bringing them back, you might start to notice that your joints hurt. Um, stomach problems, gas, bloating, indigestion, again, another, another symptom I see quite often. So whatever your concern is, Um, Paying attention to that, it can also affect your mood, your sleep, your energy levels. It doesn't have to be so physical, physical symptoms. It can be much more than that. Uh, And what about gluten? It seems like the the anti-gluten craze has kind of come and gone. And obviously, if you're a celiac, somebody with celiac disease, that's uh, something you need to pay attention to. Uh, But what if you don't have a sensitivity to gluten? Is it still the big evil thing that we were calling it not too long ago? I mean, yes and no. So if you don't have a problem with gluten, then absolutely you can continue eating it. But gluten is one of those inflammatory foods. So gluten and dairy, uh, they pretty much go hand in hand for anybody who's suffering from inflammation. It is worth it to take away the gluten, take away the dairy, see how they feel. Most people feel better. And that's why this gluten craze is so big because, you know, we all suffer from a level of, uh, you know, digestive problems or people aren't really digesting their food properly for many other reasons. You know, people are eating on the go, whatever it is. But as soon as they start taking out gluten and dairy, miraculously, they feel better. And then they bring it back in and they don't feel so good. So it's worth it to experiment. I'm not saying everyone needs to go off it, but I certainly do see huge improvements when people go off of dairy and gluten. I don't know. I I feel sadness when if my bread and my cheese is taken away. Yeah, and if you don't have any health concerns, I mean, then you're fine to continue. But if you are suffering from anything chronic, then it's worth it, right? It's it's not definitely something everyone across the board should do, but that's where, you know, individualized medicine comes into play. If you're affected by something, then don't, you know, forget how important diet is in your health and what a role it can play just by playing with certain types of food for anybody who's suffering from any health concerns. Uh, and talk a bit about uh, omega-3s, because we often uh, hear about this. Uh, and for somebody, if, you, if you're not going to be eating fish every day, which I'm sure most people don't, uh, but you want to make sure you still get that, it, it, it's one of those areas where there are so many options out there. It's, it's quite confusing as to what you should actually be doing and what's going to work. That's a good point. Yes, the world of fish oil. So omega-3 is the anti-inflammatory oil. We also hear of six and nine. Six is not anti-inflammatory. Nine is, but three is the most anti-inflammatory. So those are things like salmon and mackerel and uh, sardines and a lot of the good fats from fish. You need to be eating salmon about three times a week to be getting ample doses of omega-3 through your food. If you're not eating salmon that much, then supplementing with one or two grams of good quality fish oil every day is uh, a really good idea. Krill oil is also fantastic. That was just my next question because we often hear absorption rates that krill, which can be more expensive in some cases, uh, does it absorb better? Do you get a better bang for your buck? 
Yeah, krill is um, very concentrated. It also comes with other elements, not just omega-3, so you're getting other vitamins with it. Um, it's a great source of omega-3s, certainly. You know, when you get to a fish oil that isn't krill, you just really have to be um, concerned with the safety, right? You want it to be third-party tested. You want to make sure that the fish you're getting isn't mercury high or, um, you know, contaminated. So uh, going to a professional line of fish oil or just researching your brand before you buy it is one of the most important pieces of advice I could give someone for taking a fish oil. Because even when you read the labels, I was doing this recently, and some of it, you know, says it's it's Alaskan salmon, uh, it's mackerel, it's from sardines, and it, and it lists the ingredients, but it, that's exactly it. Unless you know exactly which one is better or what, what works best, it can still be pretty confusing. Very confusing. And so I think, you know, seeing a naturopathic doctor or going to a proper health food store, talking to someone who's educated um, is super important when it comes to vitamins and supplements because what you're getting on the shelf of a drugstore is usually not the best quality and then there's really no point in taking it. Uh, you mentioned too with the omega, we hear the 369. 3 and 9 are anti-inflammatory. So what does the 6 do? So 6 is actually pro-inflammatory, which a lot of people don't realize they're taking supplements at home that are composed of 3, 6, and 9. 6 can contribute to inflammation or exacerbate it. So we get a lot of 6 in our food and uh, we're lacking three and nine. Nine comes from olive oil and, you know, olives and that sort of fat, avocado, stuff that isn't the fish oil. Uh, so that's what you want to focus on, the nine and the three. The six comes from, you know, peanuts and things that are more inflammatory that we don't need extra. All right. A bottom line then, if someone thinks that they are uh, dealing with one of the itises or, or they're, they're not feeling great and they think it's diet related, uh, tinker around with it. Take things out, take them out for three to six weeks, bring things back and, and, and go that route? Absolutely. There's a lot of information in books and online and you know, through various practitioners, nutritionists, dietitians, naturopaths, whoever it is, we're all very familiar with inflammatory foods. So talking to someone, doing a little bit of research, there's a list about, of about 30 foods that you want to turn to, eliminate them, see how you do, and then bring them back. And that's a really good place to start. All right. Dr. Polo, thank you so much. Great to chat with you again. Thank you. That is Dr. Alana Polo. She is a naturopathic physician with Polo Health and Longevity Center, or the Care Center. We will take a short break before we are back to finish up the show. Stick with us right here on Newstalk 980 CKNW.